0: Welcome to Wines We Drink, a podcast for wine lovers and learners. I'm Charlotte Norsworthy, and together with my counterpart, Keith Herndon, we'll be exploring a new wine each week. Keith is a lover of wine, and I am a learner of wine. We hope you'll learn and sip along with us, too. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast, Wines We Drink, where our show is exactly what the name says it is. We drink wine, and we also talk about the wines we drink. I'm joined today, as always, by my co-host, Keith Herndon, and we have a special treat for our listeners today.
1: Hello, Charlotte, and yes, uh, we do have a special treat for the listeners. We're on location today, so if the ambiance sounds a little different, it's because we're drinking wine at the Heirloom Cafe with Chef Jessica Rothica. Jessica, say hello to our listeners.
0: Hello, I'm so happy to be here. Jessica, thank you so much for joining the show today and talking with us about wine. Well, thank you for having me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Great. So when we were putting our plans together for this, what we're calling our Summer Fun Project, I told Charlotte that I really wanted to have you on as a guest if you would agree to do it, because Heirloom Cafe has played such an important part in my wine journey. Um, As I mentioned in our sparkling wine episode... Uh, it was Jessica who introduced me to the Grue label for New Mexico, but more than that, there have been so many special dinners here with my wife, business associates, friends, and also many, many special wine tastings, and we've got to enjoy so many great wines. So I'll end my soliloquy there and ask you this. When you opened Heirloom Cafe, did you know that wine was going to be such an important part in the life of the restaurant?
2: I, yes, I had hoped that it would be, um, my father, Travis Birch is, um, my partner in the restaurant and he is very fond of wine. Um, he's the one who's taught me the most about wine and, um, it has been a passion of his to help develop the wine list for us and also to, um, like had these, he was the one who came up with the idea of our second Tuesday wine tastings and partnering with retailers and, um and doing themed events and he just he's the one who's really pushed that forward for us and um, we've had a few different bar managers across the time that we've been open but um, he's been the one with like his hands kind of making sure everything goes the way he'd like it this whole time so um, it was something that I knew was a passion for him and I thought would be a really great way for him to show his passion through the, the restaurant.
1: Oh. Full transparency. I know your father, Travis, from a previous life. He and I did some (laughs) consulting projects together back in the day.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And so uh, for our listeners who don't know what uh, Second Tuesday Wine Tastings are, can you explain what that is and why that's sort of an important part of Heirloom? Certainly. So it's a way
2: that we get to to explore different wines that we might like to have on our list, as well as um, different themes of wine. Every The second Tuesday of every month, we have a wine tasting, and it's currently in the format of a light wine dinner, where it's three courses and then five wines, and um, we do a different theme each month. Last time, it was rosés. Before that, we did women winemakers. Coming up, we've got Bastille Day, and um, then wines for hot weather and and like it's just obviously there's lots of summer hot weather wines happening but um but it's it's just a way to explore different things and I get to pair with the wines each time um from the kitchen and get to do things that are a little bit outside of the wheelhouse of what heirloom normally does um with different kinds of um cuisine and then things that are a little less locally centered and southern food centered so
1: well, it's it's really important for a for a small town city like ours to have a place like Heirloom dedicated to local ingredients and creating that true local flavor. But you know, we're here to drink some wine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what have you selected for us today?
2: So I have the Keep Mentel Margaret River Rose from twenty nineteen.
1: So so that's obviously not a local wine. So. Correct. It is not a local wine.
2: Um, it is from Australia, and but it's still very delicious. Um, so we did this wine as one of our wine-tasting wines in the rosé tasting that we recently had. Um, but it actually was brought to us by one of our distributors for the women winemakers tasting. And um, we loved it, but we had a rosé that we were already planning to do for that, and we didn't want to... Stick with too many rosés, so we had a rosé tasting coming up, and we decided to kind of push it off to the next one. Um, and it's just—it's really a lovely wine. It's really bright and fresh, and um, got a, about a medium body to it. It's really good for hot weather drinking. And there's um, a woman who is the who runs the winery, like does all the business. Side of things for this winery, and then there's a woman winemaker as well. And um, I've really been embracing being a female chef recently, <laughs> and um, I've become a member of this organization called Les Dames de Scaffier, which is a women's culinary organization. They also celebrate women winemakers and farmers, and basically any any kind of woman in the in the food world. Um, and so I've really been embracing that side of things and, and trying to work on helping to lift women up in the industry. So this is something that's kind of close to my heart right
0: now. Wow. <laughs>
2: Respect. Girl yeah. power. Yeah. I love
0: that. That's so great. <laughs> and it's really great that we get to drink and talk about a different style of rosé. Our loyal listeners will recall that back in episode seven, we drank a delicious rosé from 100% Grenache made in southern France. And so I'm looking forward to seeing how this one compares. So Jessica, you talked a little bit about why you selected this one. Um, But was there anything else that you'd like to add before we dive into this wine? Um, I really, so it has a lot of
2: like watermelon, juicy watermelon kind of flavor to it, which I think is perfect for the summer. And when I did it with the wine tasting, I paired it with a watermelon cucumber salad. with a lime vinaigrette and then it had feta for a little bit of saltiness and then some pickled shrimp in there because it's, it's, um, made in a coastal region. So it's got a little bit of salinity to it. So I brought those flavors together. So, um, it is definitely a blend and it's not, I I would say Shiraz is what it has the most of in it. Um, but it has a lot of other things to it as well. And it's, um, it's all about experimenting and having fun when they make the wine, and I feel like that's kind of what I'm doing with the food. And so I, I don't know. It just feels like it's my kind
1: of wine. <laughs> that's great. Right. Well, well, Charlotte knows this, but I'm not sure you do, Jessica. I did my PhD through Curtin University in Perth, oh, in wow. Western Australia, and I spent some time down under. It's an amazing wine country, the Barossa Valley and the Margaret River, where this wine is from. Mm-hmm. Um, are, are probably their most well-known regions, but I spent an awesome afternoon one day at the Mount Tambourine Winery in Queensland, okay. drinking an out-of-this-world Shiraz. <laughs> so, you know, uh, enough about all of this talk, so uh, let's give this Aussie Rosé a try. Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's do it. I will
2: crack it open. This one is a twist-off cap. So, sure. <laughs> um, we got three glasses here.
1: So, as you're pouring this, this is a uh, really nice uh, uh, color, but, but I think you would say that this one is a tad pinker than the one that we drank earlier in episode seven, wouldn't you think?
0: Yeah, I totally agree. It's pinky, it's golden, it's quite a beautiful hue, I mean, I could stare at it for quite a long time. <laughs> yeah, it's got kind of a
2: rose gold color to it. That's
0: the best, yeah. that is the perfect description.
1: Oh, rose gold. I like that. Yeah, Yeah, I like rosé gold. Rosé gold. That
2: would be the new trend in jewelry. Rosé gold, right.
1: So let's have a sip. Okay, cheers. Wow. I'm already picking up on that watermelon flavor that you mentioned when you were talking about it. Maybe that's because you set my taste buds. I'm with sorry. A, no, but, but it, it definitely is that melon forward kind of rosé. Right. really is interesting.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely getting lots of melon, but also very bright and light, like you were saying. It's mm-hmm. very sippable. It's perfect for, I mean, we're having an extremely hot Georgia day here today. Indeed. And so it's absolutely the perfect refreshment as well. Yes.
2: Yes, it's, um, I've had a very long week, and this is the perfect <laughs> thing to end my very long week <laughs> Well,
1: you know, I mentioned that world-class Shiraz that I had earlier, because that is one of Australia's premier grape varieties. Indeed. And this wine's blend, I think you said, is uh, predominantly Shiraz, It is, right? yeah. So when I was looking at the tasting notes uh, for this, I also noticed that it's kind of a, after you get past that majority of the Shiraz in there, it's kind of a smorgasbord. There's Zinfandel, there's Tempranillo, there's some Grenache, some Pinot Noir, some Sangiovese. Giovese. Um, You know, I'm sometimes skeptical when I read wines that takes that kitchen sink approach, but man, this one works.
2: Yeah, I think that um, it it can be a little bit off-putting when there's so many different wine varietals in there. But I feel like when they made these choices, they were being very intentional about which... Which ones they put in, and um, and they were do, they did a great job of picking out the right flavors and just the right texture and body and great job, great
1: yeah, job, yeah. guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Shiraz is a, a really solid foundation, Indeed. and then and then I think the winemaker brought all of those others together. Sometimes when we're talking about blends like this, it's almost like a maestro conducting an orchestra. Indeed, yeah. And and uh, man, Kate Mantel did a really good job with their orchestra in this <laughs> uh, in this. Uh,
2: I'm always so impressed by how winemakers can bring out so many different flavors, but it's all just grapes, right? It's all grapes that go into it, but somehow you get grass or you get um, berries or you get leather, like all of the different things that can come from grapes is, is so impressive to me.
0: I mean, that's what's been really fantastic for me. I mean, I am an ultra novice in the wine world and just seeing how many different, you know, Textures, hues, colors, you know, can come from various varietals and various types of wines is incredible whenever it just comes down to grapes. I mean, that's really fascinating (laughs) to me. Um, So you mentioned that you selected this one because you really like pink wine. I love pink (laughs) wine. Are you seeing more of your restaurant's customers order rosé? I'm
2: not sure if more (laughs) is a thing. So I've always kind of just loved Rosé, dry dry rosé, not just the like sweet syrupy rosé that Mm -hmm. that people used to think of as rosé. But um, so I, um, I've always been very into it, and I'm not sure that I've paid as much attention to the trends that that go with rosé. But um, but I we've always had more rosé I think than the average restaurant on our wine menu because. We've always had a staff that was very fond of it as well. I don't know how we picked up those people, but it's not like an interview question that we asked. you like in client? Um, you
0: attract. The you front attract of that staff that generally you
2: does, and they've been able to um, to sell it pretty well. So I'm not sure that we've seen any kind of um, an arc or an uptick in Rosé's sales in, in like, an annual kind of way, but I know that... Um, We've always done really well with them because we get people really excited about it. And that's really how you are able to sell something at a table. It's, just, it's good, and you're excited about it, and you want to talk about it to your customers. So, well,
1: let's have another drink of this
2: indeed, one. Indeed, let's. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Cheers.
1: Cheers. There's a really nice... Soft finish to this Mm -hmm. wine. There's some, there's some acid there. There's some citric, yeah, you know, some citrus. I guess is what I would say coming through. But uh, it's, it's a very palate pleasing summer sipper.
2: Definitely, I could drink a lot of this on a back porch in the evening, like listening to the crickets and seeing the lightning bugs come out. perfect
0: for that. So Jessica, I'm really curious to hear more about your process for figuring out how to pair certain wines with certain foods. You described how uh, you you paired this rosé with a beautiful watermelon deliciousness. And so Mm -hmm. I want to hear more about how do you think about what is going to taste good with the wine?
2: So I try to think about, um, both what you have on the nose when you when you smell the wine before you drink it, and also what um, what the flavors are, but also if there's acidity to it, or if it's um, if it's drier versus sweeter. Like those are all different things to be thinking about. So if there's a certain thing in in the nose of the wine um, that isn't necessarily present in its flavor, I like to try to kind of emphasize that in the dish that I'm doing um, in order to make you notice that more, I, I would say. Um, so, for instance, in this particular wine, there's um, kind of like a lime zest essence in the nose, and that was why I chose to put lime into the, the vinaigrette of for the salad that I made with it. Um, but also, if it's something that's acidic, then you want something kind of fatty to pair with it because um, things like bacon or um, like raised meats or things that have kind of a a fatty texture to the mouth, um, when you have acidity, it, it breaks that down. So it like refreshes your palate so that you are ready to eat more of it instead of having kind of a an overly full feeling of eating lots and lots of fatty myself at one time like having a nice acidity to wine makes it a good food wine because it it, um complements it and readies your mouth for more instead of um letting it get overwhelmed so that's that's a big thing that I think of when I'm pairing them is like the mouth feel and the acidity level
0: so how much would this sell for by the glass or by the bottle?
2: So, um, in a restaurant setting, this would sell for $11 a glass, um, and then it would be, we get about four glasses per bottle, so we've just priced it that way, so it's $44 for a bottle. Um, and margins are a little different in a restaurant setting than they would be in a retail setting, but, but yeah.
1: Right, well, So, but I think in terms of, you know, having this, uh, you know, with a nice dinner, yeah. you know, with your like an is almost as an aperitif with your salad course Indeed. or something yes. like that would be mm-hmm. great, you know. So, so I was as we were talking here, I was really looking this wine up in the Vivino okay. app, and you know the users really like the 2018 vintage, mm-hmm. right? It ranked as a top five percent in the world. There aren't enough ratings yet to really get a good read on the 2019 vintage, which we're which is the one we're drinking, but. But I think based on our focus group of three here, It's you know, it's, the, it's gonna it, be the top it, it, of it's, it's gonna be right up there, you know, so I, I think uh, Kate Cape has another hit on their hand yes. with this with this Indeed.
0: Oh yeah, my expert knowledge here agrees. Um, <laughs> Uh, so, Jessica, we can't thank you enough for being such a wonderful host for us today yeah. at Heirloom Cafe. This has been such an outstanding field trip for the Wines We Drink podcast. Oh,
2: I'm so glad that you came and joined me here, and thank you for inviting me to be on your show.
0: We'll take a short break as we indulge ourselves with another glass of this wonderful rosé from Down Under, and don't go far as we'll be back in a moment to wrap up this episode with our weekly wine word feature. This week's word is Blend. Welcome back to today's episode. Our wine word this week is blend, which seems to be what we were just talking about with the wine we were drinking today. Uh, so, Keith, why is blend this
1: week's wine word? Well, it it definitely was a delicious blend, and, and I just want to give a shout out back to Jessica and Heirloom Cafe for hosting us on our first field trip of uh, Wines We Drink. Uh, perhaps if we're back for season two, we can do some more field trips.
0: I'm so down. <laughs>
1: So, yes, uh, Charlotte, I had chosen today's wine word before I learned about Jessica's selection, uh, but the word certainly applies to today's wine, but it also describes the wine that we're going to be drinking next week. Put very simply in the wine world, the word blend means that the wine is made for more than one grape var- varietal. Uh, winemakers blend different uh, varieties of grapes because they want to take advantage of the different characteristics you know, to create something that you can't get from a single grape. They may want a more complex structure or they may want to bring out a different aroma or soften the tannins or, or enhance the acid or decrease the acid, you know. So think of the winemaker as a painter who might use blue and yellow paints to create green. Well, blending wine is an art form that allows for all sorts of wonderful end products that you just can't get from a single grape. You know, we tasted one today. Um, it was certainly a blend of several different grapes. I mean, Shiraz was the, the foundation. Uh, the Cape Mintel Rosé that we were drinking was 58% Shiraz. But then the other uh, like 40 plus percent of that was a blend of several different uh, different grapes. And then we're going to be tasting uh, one again again next week.
0: Wow, I love the analogy of it being a painting. Um, So the idea behind blending is to improve quality, right? Is that what I'm hearing?
1: Yeah, I I think yes and no. Uh, If a winemaker finds uh, some grapes to be of lesser quality, they they could certainly be blended with other grapes to offset that. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, one thing that has happened in the past when there's been these uh, fires out in California and some of the grapes have been smoke-tainted, there have been some... uh, Uh, winemakers that have not wanted to trash that entire uh, uh, you know harvest so they have blended and blended and blended to try to just decrease that smoke tank to the point um, uh, that it's not noticeable and still be able to use some of those grapes but but I think in most cases it's not winemakers trying to offset something or hide something in most cases the winemakers are using blending techniques to increase the complexity of wines. And I think they want to give us wines that we didn't know we needed until we taste them, right? You know, a lot of listeners fall into the category that we've talked about all season on the show as learners. And uh, so I want to encourage learners out there to uh, explore blends and, and not always go for the single varietal, you know, the Pinot Noir that's on the label or the Chardonnay. After all, some of the best wines in the world are blends. Uh, you know, think about the elegant French Bordeaux. <clears throat> Those are almost always some combination of two, three, or four um, of these five grapes um, Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, Cabernet Franc, Malbec, and Petit Verdot. You know, so also keep in mind that not all blends list their grapes on the label. But uh, if you see that it's a red blend or a white blend, You can typically then go to that winery's website or find some tasting notes out there or another review or somebody that's interviewed the winemaker with a little homework. You can typically find, you know, what's in the bottle.
0: Wow. Well, thanks again, Keith. Can you believe that next week is our last episode for this summer season of Wines We Drink?
1: I know I've joked about our uh, case of 12 episodes this summer. But you're right, it's hard to believe that we finished the case next week.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to doing this one more time and drinking a bottle of that wonderful blend you hinted at.
1: Yes, uh, we're going back to Napa Valley for a red blend that I call my house wine.
0: Wow, well, if it's your house wine, then it's got to be delicious. So we'll see you next week, Keith. Thanks, everyone.
1: Thanks, Charlotte. Thanks
0: for listening to Wines We Drink. Listen to our other episodes anywhere you get your podcasts. And follow us on Twitter at WinesWeDrink and Instagram at The drink. Cheers.